0: welcome to money md where the money doctors are in the house we're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money we give common sense solutions to your complex problems and now here are the doctors ron welcome to our 501 show not as exciting
1: as 500 it
0: was and we missed the five actually i was i did a little intro last week on the 500 but uh yeah, I mean we're we're getting up there. We have a lot of shows and um, uh, interesting week here. Um, had the hurricane blow through this week. Um, yeah, actually, as we're recording this, is blowing through today.
1: Yeah, but it's a little wet we out are. there.
0: A little wet out there. Yep, lots going on in sports. Um, anyway, with with football, uh, football starting yeah. this weekend. We're playing Duke. Clemson yeah, is. better not be close, but you never know. Yeah. First week yeah. of the year. I'm sure Alabama and Georgia will dominate as usual. <laughs> uh, it should be an interesting season to see if Clemson can hang on to any any luster uh yeah. behind those two. And um yeah. It's know.
1: amazing how your fall changes your weekend planning and everything is just because football,
0: you just yeah. plan differently. Yeah. 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 i at least like to pay attention and, yeah. and watch for sure. Yeah. And then we got baseball. My goodness, the Braves are amazing this year.
1: Yeah, they look really good. I'm super excited to see you know how deep they can go into the to the playoffs into October. Yeah. Hopefully they don't blow it because their record's phenomenal. Best record in
0: baseball right now. Yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. A lot going on. Speaking of exciting, we got some exciting topics to talk about today. Um yeah, we're going to jump into, uh, at first, I guess, the six retirement myths. Yeah, just six myths that you hear a lot about retirement. We'll kind of
1: work through them, debunk them, and, and give some advice.
0: Yeah, and then we're going to pivot and talk about why do you need a will um, and what to do if you run into a situation where somebody doesn't have a will. Oh, yeah. Um, there are some things you can do, actually. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it really brings home the importance of getting that done, having a will, And then how to have that conversation with your family members that may not have a will, too. There's some neat stuff in this article. So, uh, yeah, you'll want to stay tuned for that. Um, By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro with over 28 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I'm also a
1: certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro.
0: We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday morning. Um, you can also uh, check us out on our website through moneymd.net. You can listen to us there every Friday or any place. You can listen to all our old shows, all five, 500 probably. Are up 501. They're uh, up there on the show. That's right. And uh, so you can listen there. You can see the topics. And uh, you can also link to us there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, send us your questions. We'll talk about those right here on the show. Um, we're going to start off here, Ryan, with our financial fact of the week. Yeah, let's talk mortgages. Obviously, that's been a big topic um, this past year. So the
1: 30-year fixed mortgage rate topped 7.3% this past week. So that's the highest in over 20 years. Um, the Ouch. Thir- yeah. Not not great for those looking for a house. Uh the thirty year mortgage rate in the United States averaged seven point seven four percent from 71, 1971 to twenty twenty three. Wow. Yeah. So reaching an all time high of eighteen point six three percent in October of nineteen eighty one. Uh, man, and a record love, 2.65% January of 2021. So, wow, 18.6? Goodness gracious.
0: That that was quite a year there in 81. That was Did uh, people just not buy houses? <laughs> well, I don't think many people bought houses. I think it's like today, though. I mean, people would buy it thinking they could refinance in a sure. year or two. Or they'd get a variable rate loan, you know, knowing they would come down. Yeah. Um, that was a crazy time back in the you know, stagflation of 81, as I recall. Mm. Um, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, it's interesting that mortgages have averaged over 7% um, for 50 years. So this 7 plus percent mortgage rate we're seeing today really is kind of on par with the long-term average, which is crazy. Albeit, I think it's skewed very high yeah. because of the 70s and 80s were so crazy yeah, in terms of mortgage rates. So I think realistically, the, you know, the average over the last 30 years is probably more like, you know, 6%. So, um, yeah, but it's, we're back up there. Seven, yeah. 7.3%. That's a good, great fact of the week. All right. That leads us up here to our first topic, and that is the six myths about retirement.
1: Yeah. So, Steve, we all want to build wealth and have retirement, you know, the retirement of our dreams, but it's not going to happen, you know, if we're getting sidetracked by all the naysayers and misinformation swirling around. Um, So this comes from Ramsey Solutions, just six main topics of, hey, Here's some myths, especially in today's world, on with the internet and everything. You just read so many things, and it's so true, things it's hard of, to sort it out. This is really helpful. I mean, you go on YouTube or TikTok, and the things you see, or even Instagram, um, just some bad advice. So, no matter where you come from, those myths and lies—well, you know, some could call them lies—could keep you from taking steps you need to really secure your retirement future. So yeah, we're going to get ready today. We're going to bust really the top six retirement myths. So the first one is, I'll live off social security income in retirement. We've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: seen some people try to do that. That's yeah. tough.
1: Yeah, so that's a common one, but not a great one. You know, But relying on the government to take care of your retirement is not a good idea. So living off social security will only lead to social insecurity. <laughs> The problem is there's a huge gap between what the future retirees think they're going to receive from Social Security and what they're actually going to get. So <clears throat> that's right. right now, retirees receive an average monthly income of about $1,600 from Social Security, and that's about nineteen, just shy of 20000 per year. And that's barely enough to keep the lights on and put food on the table, let alone actually enjoy a comfortable retirement. And yet- Um, A recent poll found that nearly one out of five Americans, so 17%, don't expect to have any source of retirement income
0: beyond Social Security. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the reasons why people have this myth that they can live off that is they get these statements and they see the full benefit at age 67 number and, and then their spouse also has Social Security. So they think, well, multiply it times two and I can live off of that. And that might be true if you delay to 67, but some people, a lot of people take it early, obviously. Yeah. A lot of times one spouse has a lot lower benefit. And when one spouse passes away, you're stuck with only one. Yeah. You only have one social security. You get to hire the two for spouses, but for the second spouse. But um, still, it's um, it's not enough to live off of. I mean, if you want to travel the world, start a business, pursue your dreams in retirement, you know, this is a wake up call. I mean, social security just isn't going to cut it. And it's time to take matters into your own hands. You gotta start taking steps to secure your retirement future. Um, you know, retirement is your job, it's not the government. So yeah, you gotta plan beyond social security. You gotta have more legs on that stool than just that one leg. You know, it takes like three legs for a stool to stand up, right? Oh yeah. So, <laughs> it's like four oh one K is another leg. It's uh, you know, having some a pension or some other source of income is a is a third leg. So that's typically what you need for retirement. That's a good one. All right. Myth number two is if I invest up to my 401k match, I'll have enough to retire on. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, it, it is it is a start, right? It's yeah. another leg to your three-legged stool. But I mean, first of all, I mean, your company offers you a match on your 401k as kind of a minimum. You know, you definitely want to take that match. It, it's a fantastic place to start investing. But stopping at a 401k match is like running a marathon and stopping a quarter way through the race. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, we hate to break it to you, but you don't get a medal for stopping at mile seven, right? I mean, if you really want to start building a solid nest egg, you have to invest up to 15% of your income. Is kind of the rule of thumb in retirement. Um, Make a plan that gives you the income goal that you're looking for. Um, So you need a comprehensive plan. Usually it takes a lot more than that maybe 6% to get your match. Um, and So that means you're going to have to invest beyond the match, but do the planning and make sure you have enough.
1: Yeah, and Ramsey said there's a whole group of millionaires out there who, you know, work and save, you know, their ways to be a millionaire. is just using that 15% rule of thumb uh, with their 401ks and IRAs. It's a rule of thumb if you just say, hey, I don't know where to start. It's always a good idea to do at least fifteen percent of your income. Obviously, we we would say, hey, make a plan that shows you exactly what you need to save if you have an income goal in mind. Um, But yeah, a lot of people do well by just saving that fifteen percent, especially if you don't know where to start. Uh, Myth three: I'll work through retirement. I've heard this one before. Um, You know, whether it's those crushing healthcare costs higher than expected living expenses, or simply because they can't afford to retire. You know, seventy percent of workers say they plan. On, uh, to work during their retirement years. That's pretty high, I was surprised by that number. Yeah, that's re- really high. I know, like 70% really, man. Uh, and yet, just 27% of retirees actually end up working. So do you wanna bet on your future with those odds? I would say no. <laughs> um, no. Um, if you do work in retirement, it should be because you want to, not because you have to. So between now and then, you know, you have to do all that you can to get yourself up to a comfortable retirement without needing a job to pay those bills.
0: Um, yeah, and I would just say, I mean, you know, you can't, maybe you can work in retirement part-time, but you don't know what your health's going to be. I exactly. Mean, there are things change in retirement. You might be keep, you might be caring for another spouse, caring for your parents, caring for a grandchild. Um, you know, you may not be healthy enough to work. So a lot of things can happen you get in a recession, employers don't necessarily want to hire people that are 60 years old yeah. plus. Um, so you got to plan retirement without a plan of working.
1: Yeah. I meet with a lot of younger people and they're just talking, hey, I'm going to work forever till I'm 72, 75. And, I, you know, just a lot of life happens. It does. It <laughs> and does. so I always just say, well, let's talk about a number that says, hey, when would you like to have the option to retire? Just to play it safe. Exactly. Like, because you just don't know, and the odds of you really working at 75, maybe, but maybe not. Like you said, health you know, health happens, a lot of things with your health. and So, yeah, you want to make sure you can, you can have a, a good retirement and not have to work. So myth number four, Medicare will cover my medical expenses. So there's a lot of confusion about Medicare. Um, So that's the government-provided health insurance program. Those are people 65 and older. You know, we talk about that a lot here. right? Um, And what it can and can't do. So let's kind of talk through this a little bit. Uh, Medicare can give you affordable health insurance coverage for doctor visits, medication, and hospitalization once you uh, blow blow the candles out on your 65th birthday. And that's good news. However, uh, Medicare doesn't cover costs of, like, deductibles, Copays, long-term care, um, like the care you'd receive in a nursing home, for an example, you know, Medicare, you know, Medicare is not going to cover that. Um, so you want to make sure you're covering for all of those types of costs, not just those those main. You know, so Medicare is not going to cover that. You need to make sure you can cover that.
0: Yeah, and one of the problems in Medicare is, you know, Medicare Part A has a copay that's twenty percent, right, for hospital visits. And that twenty percent, unlike your your health insurance at your employer, that twenty percent has no maximum out of pocket. There's no cap to it. Hmm. So that means, you know, for if you went to a, to a hospital and you had a hundred thousand dollar bill, you're up for twenty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. So the fact is, you need a Medicare supplement to cover that that those caps um, to cap that to give you some limit to what you have to pay. So you're going to have to buy a medicare supplement in in retirement. You got to plan for that. It's going to be like 200 to 250 a person per month right now. That's about the cost of a medicare supplement. Um and it goes up, of course, a lot. So, um, you know, just like social security future medicare is pretty murky, um, you know, so it it may get to where the premiums are rising. I mean, if you're making more, the premiums are already high, a lot higher mm. for medicare. So, you just can't quite count on it like you used to, and you certainly have to plan on be, buying a Medicare supplement in retirement to, to, to cover those holes.
1: Yeah, I know. Just real quick on long-term care, just what's your rule of thumb on thoughts on long-term care? I know every situation is different based on your plan, but what do you usually kind of say with long-term care
0: costs, like how to plan for that? Yeah, well, I mean, so long-term care insurance, of course, yeah. is the best way to cover long-term care, and um, that... You know, it depends on the person situation um, yeah. as to whether or not it's a fit for you. You know, I mean, if you don't have enough assets to, to, to really protect, then you could fall back on Medicaid in, mm-hmm. if you actually need long-term care coverage. Um, but long-term care policies, the long-term care insurance is really expensive. And it doesn't cover nearly as much as it used to. Um, Now they usually limit any inflation protection to like 3% simple inflation protection. You don't get 5% compounded anymore. Mm. You can't buy that. So it's questionable whether that's going to do the trick for you, you know, 20 years down the road as costs go up. Um, So I I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things you have to really weigh it out and, you know, the premiums always go up. Now you don't get policies where it's a level policy anymore. It, Every five years or so, they're going to send you a letter and and tell you that, you know, you're going to have to make a hard choice of, of reduced benefits or higher premiums. Um, So it, it's, not a, it's not a slam dunk like it used to be. Yeah. 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 If you have enough assets, then you don't need it because you can pay for it out of your assets and your income. Uh, But you certainly need to look at it. It's an important topic.
1: My grandparents have an older long-term care policy and it, it does really well now, but it was so hard to get them to pay it out. I was just like, the things we had to go through yeah, to it's get it a, to finally pay out was such a of pain.
0: You do have to jump through hoops. My mom has a policy too. She's drawn on it. Fortunately, hers, you know, is still going strong and she had five percent compound inflation. Mm. So it's covering her nursing home cost right yeah. now, you know, um, which is which is crazy expensive. Um it's like ten thousand dollars a month. But um, you know, you can't get those policies anymore that have that kind of coverage. So now you gotta start off with a really high benefit because the inflation protection isn't gonna be there like it used to be. So it's a difficult issue. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely need to do some planning around that. Yep. Um, Well, listen, you know, I mean um, uh, myth number five is it's too late for me to save for retirement. Um, You know, if you feel uh, scared about retirement's future, here's the truth. No matter how close you are to retiring, there's still time to grow your retirement savings. So no matter how old you are or how much you've saved so far, you can still do something to improve your situation. So don't waste another minute, you know, counting on the government to take care of you in your latter years. I mean, remember, you know, more time that your money has to grow, the more the compound growth can work in your favor. So yeah. get something going. Start saving for retirement. Start building something to provide you a nest egg for long term care or other things. It's not too late. You need to you need to get going with it and and develop a plan. So that's a good one. Next myth here is number six. I can do it on my own. You know, well, when it comes to investing, I mean it can be tempting to fly solo and and you know, kind of guess your way through it. But, you know, there's a reason that every flight you have to have a, you know, you have a pilot and you have a co pilot in the cockpit, you know, (laughs) (laughs) because I mean, when you're on your own, you you don't know what you're doing. A lot of times, I mean, you you could crash, you could burn up. I mean, the the cost of failing is too great. So you really need some help. For most people, Um, you know, it's not having said that. I mean, some people can certainly do it on their own, you know. But you you got to diversify. You got to be able to check your emotions. You got to be. to, to invest through a through a great recession and through a pandemic and not yeah. panic, not pull your money out, not listen to the news too much, not make these terrible decisions. It, it's the times when, when it gets really, really rough and your emotions grip you that you need some help. You need somebody to check you. You need somebody to talk to to help guide you through.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, just working with a professional just helps give more confidence that you're heading in the right direction. It's always good to hear that. Second opinion on things, especially like we just talked about, there's so much information online. So a lot of what we do is clients send us things they just read or saw, and we can help kind of give guidance on those. And so, you know, when you're doing alone, emotions, like you said, can get the best of us, can cause us to make a mistake. Um, You also just want the technical expertise to make sure you're properly invested, properly diversified. Um, So yeah, it's good to not go through it, to walk through life alone, have someone walk through life with you, especially on the retirement planning and investing side.
0: Exactly. All right. That was a good topic. Great myths there to pay attention to about retirement. And that leads us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah, this one comes in. Um, golly, I can't believe we're asking this again, but it's coming. Should <laughs> we start thinking about strategy changes with our portfolio with an election coming next year? Big, big
0: election next year. There you go. Yes. Um, well, you know, we do get this question a few times here, you know, in our last 500 shows I mean, yeah. that we've been doing. This does come up every two years. And, you know, it is, no, I mean, the truth is studies have shown that the market uh, does just as well in election years as it does in other years yeah. on average. And yeah. it's unpredictable, you know, when it's going to do well and when it's not going to do well. And it doesn't really relate to the party in office. Um, you know, the market is driven by earnings and by profits and by the economy. Yeah. And uh, those things are, are not controlled by Congress or the president or some one party. You know, they go through cycles. The cycles are unpredictable. There are things like pandemics and you know, and, and strong earnings and jobs, you know, and stuff that, that all drive that. There's a, there are hundreds of factors that drive that, and it's unpredictable. So I would not worry about the election when it comes to your investments. Follow a long-term plan, diversify, have a strategy, and stick to it. Um, you know, don't let the election derail you. And that's one more reason why you need an advisor to (laughs) help check your emotions (laughs) because it's easy to get caught up in these politics and think you need to make some move to try to protect yourself or try to capture it or something. And usually that's a mistake. Yeah. So good question of the week. All right. And that leads up to our next topic here. And that is why you need a will, um, Mm. and what to do if a loved one dies without one. Um, yeah, Ryan, this is based on an article very recently out of the Bottom Line Inc. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, we all know that it's important for making sure your assets go to where you want them to go, right? I mean, that's what a will does. <clears throat> However, there's really more to it than that. I mean, it's it's simply smart planning. So, I mean, we'll dig into some reasons today, you know why you want to get that done and and what to do if you get into one of these situations when you have a relative that doesn't have a will, particularly one that passes away. Um, But hopefully you can you can, you know, talk to them before they pass away about getting a will. But so here's an example. A man walked into an attorney's office with a problem. He had inherited a large sum of money. And I think this is a real example, too, um, that they're given. It was a nice problem to have. He's inherited a large sum of money. But The IRS had placed a tax lien on his assets, so he was in financial Mm. trouble, and the IRS had already placed placed a lien on him so that if he inherited anything, it would go to the government. (laughs) So his question was, was there any way to keep the money his parents had spent a lifetime earning and building up for the family and not let it get sucked away to the government due to his tax lien? Um, And the answer is yes. Um, With proper planning, there would have been. You know, his parents had done some planning and created a will, and they could have left their money to this man in a trust or to his children. They could have bypassed the tax lien. Um, Unfortunately, they died intestate. They died with no will. Um, So according to the state law, you know, their money was going to go to their children outright instead of to a trust. So if the son had acted quickly, he could have also protected his inheritance by disclaiming the inheritance. Yeah. So there is a disclaimer option, mm-hmm. right? He could have rejected the inheritance um, and the IRS couldn't have prevented him from doing that. Unfortunately, he waited too long. <laughs> the result, IRS pocketed every penny of his inheritance. So let's not have that happen. That would be horrible. But this is a stark reminder of why it's important to have a will, important to do some planning. Um, if a loved one passes away without a will, there, there still may be ways to protect their inheritance. But you got to need to do some planning.
1: Yeah, not a fun topic, but an important topic. So yep. why mm-hmm. do you want a will? Well, when an adult dies without a will, um, state, and this is into, oh, into state secession. Intestate, yeah. yeah. I hate saying that. I don't know why. Um, laws determine who inherits. Um, these laws vary in some states. A surviving spouse receives everything. and others, a surviving spouse gets half, and the other half is divided among the the deceased children, for example, um, if there is no surviving spouse or descendants, parents and siblings typically may be next in line. Um, intestate secession laws can lead to unwanted outcomes. Example: um, a recently married second spouse might inherit everything, while his or you know, his uh, his or her children get nothing, or a grown child estranged uh, from the deceased might inherit just as much as a child who cared for the aging parents for years. Um, In Georgia, the spouse and children split everything equally with the spouse getting at least one-third, so in the state that we're in. Yeah, so it's not exactly
0: ideal for most people. You know, you wouldn't want your spouse to only get a third. Um, So, so yeah, you definitely need a will. I mean, even if the states and test states' secession laws perfectly match the way you want your assets distributed – it's worth having a will drafted. I mean, dying without one may make the probate process slower, certainly will, and, you know, more expensive. And it means that your assets from your estate can't can't be left to trust that could have protected them against divorces, lawsuits, tax liens, other inheritance threats. I mean, anything with a beneficiary like a life insurance policy Um, Retirement accounts, certain other accounts that are transferred according to the terms of those beneficiary designations um, will go outside of the will. But the solution may be simply to to create a special trust to receive the retirement assets, um, a trust um, to own the insurance policies. So there are lots of techniques you can use to help if you do some planning, including having a will drafted. But if you don't have a will, you're not going to do any of the other planning either. So you're probably going to be in bad shape Mm. without a will. Having a will is especially important for anyone who has minor children. You know, when parents fail to specify in a will who they want to raise their kids, then the court has to make that decision. And, you know, that protracted legal process often involves court appointed lawyers who are paid out of the estate to represent the kids' interest. You know, uh, families, dirty laundry sometimes is aired in public as the court, you know, tries to determine, you know, who they can trust to raise the kids. And if there's more than one, you know, um, couple that that wants th- to raise the kids or more than one party, um, you know, in custody decisions that that might not match what the parents or the children would have wanted. So you know, despite all these risks, I mean, two out of three Americans still don't have a will, according to a recent survey. Hmm. You know, so so here's what you need to do if you suspect you have a loved one who might not have a will and what to do if the family member dies without one.
1: Yeah. So first, you know, if a relative might not have a will, uh, this relative and the rest of the family will benefit if you can convince him or her to have a will drafted. <laughs> but sometimes discussing wills with relatives can go wrong. Uh, it can create an impression that the person raising the topic is grasping for an inheritance. You know, it can come across that way. Uh, so what do you do? Um, if you fear the conversation about wills won't go well, ask the relative if he or she has completed a health care proxy. There you go. Instead of bringing up the will, this estate planning document designates someone to speak on the relative's behalf if he cannot speak for himself during a medical emergency.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good idea, actually. I mean, so if your relative says he does have a health care proxy, then he's more likely to have a will, yeah. too. You wouldn't have one without the other. Um, but, you know, he says he if he says he doesn't have a health care proxy, I mean, point out how stressful that would be for the family to figure out who who should speak for him, you know, in the middle of a medical emergency. Yeah. And also point out that their will won't cover those decisions. And, uh, you know, that. That'll probably bring up the question about a will, <laughs> you know. <laughs> when you point out that it doesn't cover decisions, yeah, they'll probably uh, say, "Oh, well, I don't have a will." as a Matter of <laughs> fact, or they'll say, "I do have a will, and you know, I should have a healthcare proxy." Yeah, it'll kind of ease into the conversation. But that plea may convince your relative to make an appointment with a state planning attorney, and you know, that attorney inevitably would do everything to convince them to draft a will if they don't have one, because yeah. that's obviously what they do. Um, so, but if, what, if, what if a relative dies without a will? Well, when someone dies without a will, you know, as we just talked about, it means they died intestate. Um, and it, it, made me, it may seem like the surviving family members are without options or control, and the court appears to have all the power. But there are some steps that you can take as a loved one um, who has a relative that dies without a will. Um, you know, the re- research... What you need to do is research your intestate succession laws for the deceased home estate. Um, The easiest way to do that is to enter the state's, you know, the the state name for the deceased and search for intestate succession statutes um, in the search engine. Pay attention to the results from the websites, then in the .gov, because that'll lead you right to a government website. Um, and if you don't find anything useful, I mean, try and test state statute and then the name of the state. Um, but if you look these up, you know, you can see pretty quickly what happens, what how it, how it falls. Um, but don't wait for the court probate court to inform you of who's going to make the inheritance.
1: Yeah. So you want to decide if it makes sense to use disclaimers to adjust who gets what. An individual who is entitled to an inheritance usually has the option of disclaiming. Uh, that inheritance, allowing it to pass to someone else. Uh, this can be useful strategy when the person slated to receive inheritance faces financial risks such as divorce, lawsuits, tax liens, like mentioned before, or future estate taxes.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's a powerful tool. So let's talk about disclaimers for a minute here. A um, few things worth noting. Um, the person who disclaims an inheritance does not have the right to decide who gets it if the assets pass to the next person in line. And and, and that's, well, that's what happens. It passes to next person in line. An estate planning attorney can help you determine who would be under the state's succession laws and would get it if you disclaim an inheritance. So you can look that up online as well. But also, inheritances must generally be disclaimed within nine months of date of death. So you have nine months. You can't wait. Um, the disclaiming process requires drafting and filing legal documents so You know, don't wait until the deadline. Um, You know, an example a man who had lost his inheritance due to a tax lien. If he had disclaimed it within nine months, the money would have passed to his sons, who were next in line for the inheritance. Unfortunately, he didn't see an attorney about disclaimers, didn't know anything about it, didn't look at it. He waited until after nine months, and it went to the IRS.
1: Yeah, Medicaid uh, recipients might not be able to disclaim inheritances. Uh, disclaiming can be a sensible option when the recipient of an inheritance is relying on Medicaid to pay for nursing home bills. That's because Medicaid's strict income and asset limits would mean that the inheritance money would be drained away by the nursing home. So, unfortunately, Medicaid rules in many uh, states prohibit disclaim- disclaimers in these situations. So you want to look up the state's Medicaid rules, or ask an estate planning attorney in the Medicaid recipient state whether uh, if disclaiming is possible.
0: Right. Exactly. So, um, so and another thing to think about if someone dies without a will is look for any ambiguity about the deceased state of residence. Um, you know, as stated above, the state laws will determine who inherits when someone dies without a will, but. Each state's laws are different, um, so you have to determine where they, where they died, where they lived, um, and if the deceased owned a house in multiple states or spent considerable time living with a relative in a different state toward the end of their life, there could be room for debate about what state of residence they had. Um, so you have to look into that. Um, read the intestate succession rules for uh, the, the potential alternate state of residence or discuss um, these with an attorney. You know, there may be room to claim that they lived in a different state. So if the state's rules better suit the family's financial goals, ask the estate planning attorney if there's a chance that the probate proceedings could be brought up in that other state instead of the state that they may have passed away in. So anyway, good discussion. There's a lot of detail there, um, but it just highlights how important it is to get a will. You wanna make sure you don't miss an opportunity Um, to control how things go and, and, you know, who inherits what and what taxes are paid and expenses. Um, so definitely go through that process and get a will. Don't, don't let that happen to you. Um, all right, Ryan. Well, that brings us to a close. But um, one, the last thing we have here is the prescription of the week.
1: Yeah. So going back to retirement, you, you want to pay yourself first with your budget. So this means that before you pay your bills or spend money on anything else, you should set aside a portion of your income for savings and retirement. You know, this approach ensures that you're prioritizing your future financial security
0: over immediate spending.
1: So just a good habit to put in place to make sure you are saving for retirement and savings and things like that.
0: That's right. You got to pay yourself first. It just simply means saving first, right? I mean, yeah. it's the only way to ensure that it's really going to happen. Because if you if you wait till you paid all your other bills, then, then there may not be anything left over. So, mm-hmm. and you got to make it automatic. I like to yeah. see it automatic. Yep, yeah. it's part of default. Yep, default. Default for success. That's our motto here. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All right, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for more prescriptions for your financial health. Check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll talk about those right here on the show. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any securities. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.